This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I'm Chanae Ogumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. Welcome back, good people, to the Destination Debbie program. You know who it is. It is your host of this here thing that we do, Ray G. You can find me on Twitter at Ray GQ. Make sure you're following the show at Destination Debbie as well. But I, you know, I spend a lot of time, a lot of time prepping you, getting you ready for your rookie drafts. And I've neglected the Debbie side of this. I've neglected it. I've neglected it. I, I sat back Saturday night and I just said, you know what, but before I do anything drastic, before I record a show, before I do anything just, you know, off the wall, let me digest what happened this past Saturday. Let me watch some NFL. Let me go back and watch some clips from college on Saturday. And I did that today. I sat back. I, I watched some things. I adjusted some ranks and I came to the conclusion and it's not a hard conclusion to come to. That Auburn freshman running back, Tank Bixby, is probably one of the best freshman running backs I've seen come through college football in a very, very, very long time. He's a better freshman running back than Travis Etienne. He's a better freshman looking running back than Najee Harris. He just, he looks like he could play in the NFL right now. He is that good. And when I updated my rankings today, I updated my complete rankings, running backs, wide receivers from the 2021 through 2023 class. I moved Tank Bigsby all the way up to Debbie RB5. And as I'm looking at them right now, he probably should be Debbie RB4. And, you know, matter of fact, I may move him up above Chuba Hubbard right now. There are no running backs in college that I would want on my team for the long-term prospectus and outlook at the NFL other than Najee, Travis, and Brees Hall. 
if you told me right now, and you know, I, I'm I'm moving him up right now above Chuba Hubbard. I am currently in a C2C uh, campus to Canton startup draft, and I took Tank Bigsby in a 14 team league at the top of the second round at the 204 spot. That's where I took Tank because I did not want to miss out on the talent of this kid. He is special. Tank is special. Right now, he's third in the SEC in rushing yards behind Kevin Harris and Najee Harris of Alabama. He's tied for second in average yards per attempt. He's got over 11. He's got 11 receptions on the season. We've seen him in the kick return game. He is a do-it-all running back. And I, and I look back to his, his, his high school profile, man. Out of high school, verified 40 of 4'5 at 210 pounds and 6 feet. I mean, really? There were there were fucking four, three running backs better than him in the class. It's a steal. Auburn got a steal. This kid, twenty four seven Sports has him comp to Darius Geis as a day two day a day two pick, round two through three. If there were ever going to be a first round pick at running back, he fits the mold. Now we know that it seems like the trajectory of the NFL are, are to draft these players in round two. So that's fantastic draft capital for him. But, you know, we, we think about these 2023 picks, a lot of a lot of casual dynasty leaguers are not thinking about 2023 draft picks. They're not. They're barely thinking about 2022 draft picks, let alone 2023. They they couldn't name 10 players in this 123 class. But luckily for you, you're tuned into the destination. Debbie, you're a member of the squad. You know that this class is loaded and it ain't just Tank Bixby. Tank is the cream of the crop. I believe amongst 2023 running backs, he's in a tier of himself. I wouldn't put any other running back in the same tier as Bixby. He's a top 25 Debbie asset for me right now. But when you go down the line, you've got Jameer Gibbs from Georgia Tech. And that Georgia Tech team in general is just shifting a philosophical difference in how they run their offense opposed to the past like 15 years. It seems like they ran the triple option now with talented yet young and raw quarterback Jeff Sims, who I too am very high on for his future outlook at the collegiate level. And we'll see what he develops into as far as an NFL prospect. But with Jeff Sims, with Jameer Gibbs, they've got a lot of talent at Georgia Tech. And I have him as my second ranked running back in the 2023 class, followed by Kendall Milton out of Georgia you know, every single year, Georgia is going to have a legitimate running back. You know, going back to Sean Moreno, you've got Todd Gurley and Sonny Michelle and Nick Chubb and DeAndre Swift and hell, even Elijah Holyfield was good at UGA. Kendall Milton looks like next year he's going to be the guy. He looks like a better running back than Zamir White. And that's one of the reasons why I'm not as high on Zamir White's NFL outlook that combined with two ACL injuries, which just, you know, Georgia and these running back and knee injuries is just, it's concerning. It's concerning, but you've got Gibbs, you've got Kendall Milton, and then you've got Seth McGowan. And I feel like I'm talking about Seth McGowan every single week because he just looks like he's next up at Oklahoma. He reminds me of a juiced up version of DeMarco Murray. This kid has got legitimate speed. He's quick. He's physical. Oklahoma's getting their stuff together, right? They've got Marvin Mims and, and, and Spencer Rattler and Austin Stogner. They have really good pieces. And we're not even talking about Hazelwood that's out for the season. They've got really, really good pieces on, on Oklahoma's offensive team. But, you know, they got to gel together. That defense is just historically bad. I don't understand why Lincoln Riley can't get that side of the ball together. 
And we haven't even talked about the number two and number one ranked running backs coming into the season, B. John Robinson and Zach Evans. Zach Evans is non-existent. I don't know what happened from the time that he was committed to go to Georgia or LSU or wherever the hell Zach Evans was going. Then he went zero dark 30. Then he pops up at TCU and he can barely get on the field at TCU. I don't know what's going on there, but Zach Evans and B. John Robinson have fallen quite a bit for me because Miami's got a pair of two talented running backs and Jalen Knighton and Donald Chaney, Michigan's Blake Corum and Penn State. You know, a lot of people were thinking it was going to be the Noah Kane show and Kevon Lee actually looked pretty good. You know, the 220 pound true freshman running back for Penn State. He looks like he may be the guy to own moving forward, but it just, you guys, tank Bigsby. Do what you can right now. You know, as, as we, as everybody tells you to trade for these 2021 picks, which you should, which you should, you need to be getting ready because the 2021 class is, is loaded. It's legit. The second round is going to be so good. Start acquiring, skip 2022, skip it. it I, I, there's some good players in there. I don't want to dismiss the Slovises, the Howes, the Jaden Daniels. I don't want to dismiss Rattler. I don't want to dismiss uh, Brees Hall and Isaiah Spiller and David Bell, who looks just ridiculous. I don't want to dismiss them. But as a whole, if I had to say which class was better on paper right now, it is no doubt the 2023 class. And I mean, from every damn position from the wide receivers, we got to see Jackson Smith and Jigba, who is from right up the road from me in Rockwall, Texas. You know, Demond Demas hasn't even broken out yet. Jermaine Burton from Florida looks good. I'm telling you, a sleeper wide receiver prospect that not enough people are talking about is Chase Lane out of Texas A&M, a big fan of what Chase Lane has done. You know, this class, and then we, we've got DJU. It doesn't matter who else is coming at quarterback. Bryce Young looks good when he gets on the field. But DJU is, is he's a monster. He's a monster quarterback. But this 2023 crop of wide receivers and running backs and tight ends, it's going to be fun. It is going to be fun. And I'm here to say that the 2021 class of quarterbacks could be really fun as well. And I was so excited, so very excited to see Michigan's six foot five, 240 pound monster Joe Milton take the field this past weekend. I've been talking about Joe Milton for the past four months. I have, I saw a couple of plays from him uh, during his sophomore season where he just, I mean, he's got a bazooka attached to his shoulder. His arm strength is out of this world. And there was a play that he made uh, on Saturday versus Minnesota where he was rolling left and threw this kind of a cross body, but on a rope to the end zone. It was just, just incomplete, but it just gave you the, the arm talent, the arm strength that Milton did. But what was impressive about his debut is the fact that he didn't, it, he didn't seem, the stage didn't seem too big for him, right? Sometimes you get these young guys out there in their first career start on primetime and they try to do too much. They try to, you know, they're, they're, they're just gunning it. They really want to show that. And that's sort of the trap that I think a player like Spencer Rattler fell into a couple of times, just really trying to do too much. Joe Milton, this is his third season at Michigan. So he isn't a freshman. He isn't a sophomore. Played sparingly the past two seasons. Don't know why with Shea Patterson there and Wilton Spate and whoever else they had at quarterback. 
but he goes out there, goes 15 for 22, 68% completion percentage for 225, averaging 10.2 yards in attempt. And he also ran the ball quite well to be a big, you know, big quarterback, eight carries, 52 yards and a touchdown, but he wasn't looking to run. He wasn't you know, not progressing through his reads and his first inclination was to run the ball. He was looking to distribute the ball downfield to a whole cast of new wide receivers there. No Nico Collins, no Tariq Black. They were really looking to, you know, he was really looking to to distribute the ball to these young guys, these young wide receivers, these young tight ends. And he looked fantastic doing it. For a long time, the, 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 stigma behind Michigan quarterbacks was Jim Harbaugh was unable to develop these guys. You know, Shea Patterson turned out to be like ass cheeks, but he had high, he had high pedigree coming in from high school. And Joe Milton is the type of quarterback where if he, and and granted folks, the Big Ten just kicked back off, right? So it's not even a full regular college football season slate. Off of one game, he seems like the type that needs to come back just one more year to continue to build the hype and build the momentum. And that would only add to a loaded 2022 class of of quarterback prospects. But a player of his size, a player with his physical ability and physical tools could be a tantalizing NFL draft prospect. Again, 6'5", 240 pounds and mobile with a cannon of an arm that did not turn the ball over, did not make, outside of the first two series where he seemed a little nervous, it was the first game of the season for Michigan, jumping right into it versus Minnesota. Outside of the first two series, he he settled down and he looked really really good. I don't want to coin him yet to say he's a star. I don't want to say that, not after one game. But what we saw on Saturday is more than encouraging. And he's a player that probably is not owned in any Debbie league. And this is why, you know, when people talk about Debbie leagues, the rookie draft picks are depleted. Not really. Because when you're talking about potential quarterbacks that could come out in 2021, Joe Milton, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, and and maybe even Kyle Trask, four players who could be drafted at, let's just say, at worst, round three, could be a part of that depleted rookie draft class. It is just the quarterback position is in a good spot. You know, as, as I'm watching these games on Saturday, I just couldn't help but think, And there are a lot of talented young quarterbacks who not all of these guys are day one starters, right? When we're talking about super flex leagues and how we value these quarterbacks, think about the NFL right now. Not only did Dak Prescott get hurt, his backup Andy Dalton got hurt. And then they're throwing in Ben DiNucci, who is not going to be anything. So these backup, there are only 32 starting jobs, but we need 32. NFL teams would love to have 32 quality backups. And some of these young guys, I think the outside of Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, I see those two as day one starters, locked and loaded. You just, you, you throw them out there. You know, Justin Fields doesn't need to sit a season. Justin Fields looked, he looked... I mean, Trevor Lawrence is playing at a ridiculous level, ridiculous level, but I don't think I've seen a quarterback look sharper in week one versus in-conference opponent. And don't, don't forget that Nebraska started out that game scoring the ball. So they were down 
when Justin Fields got the ball and he's just unfazed, man. He's unfazed. Trevor Lawrence is my quarterback one. He is the guy. But Justin Fields is no consolation prize, okay? If if Trevor Lawrence is 1A, Justin Fields is 1 lowercase a. He's one cursive A while while Trevor Lawrence is just, you know, regular manuscript. I mean, it's he's that good, folks. Those two can come in day one and they should be your quarterback starting NFL quarterbacks from day one. But after that, when you're talking about a Mac Jones, when you're talking about the potential of Kyle Trask, well, we know Trask is in 2021 because he's a senior. When you're talking about Mac Jones, when you're talking about a Zach Wilson, who I watched BYU and granted it's versus Texas State, San Marcos. I, I spent a lot of time at San Marcos having a good time in college. They had some good parties in San Marcos. Now, the football team, not so much. Parties outstanding. Zach Wilson is legit. Okay. Zach Wilson is a legitimate NFL caliber quarterback. Period. He's legit. The fact that he's out there throwing for damn near 80% completion percentage is just mind blowing. Almost 2,000 passing yards, averaging 12 yards an attempt, 16 touchdowns to one interception. He is playing lights out football. He is legit. And then you add the mobility on the ground. I wouldn't call him a true dual threat quarterback, but he has enough mobility to move around, escape, make some plays with his legs, but pump the goddamn brakes because he is not a better quarterback prospect than Justin Fields. And by golly, there are people, folks, there are people on Twitter saying he's a better quarterback prospect than Trevor Lawrence. Cut it out. Like, what, why do people, why do that? He is a fantastic looking quarterback prospect, but putting him in the same category as Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence is beyond, that's Skip Bayless level prisoner of the moment. Anybody that says that, I'm just going to, I'm just going to lump you in with the Skip Baylesses of the world because you don't know what the hell you're talking about. All right. He's had a fantastic six game run, six game run. And it's an amazing jump from what he did as a sophomore and a freshman. And I know he dealt with some injuries, but you're not going to tell me that this player at Brigham Young University playing in the Mountain West or whatever conference he's lumped in right now because, you know, I don't know what conferences opted out or opted, opted in at this point, but you're not going to convince me that he's a better quarterback prospect than Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. Now, the player who has taken a dip for me in my rankings is Trey Lance. And a lot of people said this big three, and it's not so much the fact that he did not have his best outing in his showcase game versus Central Arkansas. It's the fact that what Mac Jones is doing, what Zach Wilson is doing, what Kyle Trask is doing right now against stiffer competition it just, you can't be prisoner. This is a Bayesian approach. All of this stuff is going to change. Ultimately, some of the deciding factors for these quarterbacks will be draft capital and landing spot. If Trey Lance is selected in the top 10, whereas a Kyle Trask isn't taken until day three, day two, you know, late day two, third round pick, Mac Jones goes back to school for a senior season, then we'll adjust. But right now, from the play that I'm seeing on the field on Saturday, it's hard to rank any of the the quarterbacks, Zach Wilson and or Mac Jones or Kyle Trask behind Trey Lance, who did face F- FCS competition. It's a lower level of competition. And when I'm seeing 
what Wilson is doing in the SEC, what Trask is doing in the SEC, how efficient and how deadly accurate Zach Wilson is throwing the ball, you can't have Lance O for those guys. He's not one of those locked and loaded day one starters either. There are two quarterbacks in this class that you can drop into an NFL franchise and say, here you go, young man, you got the keys. We know you'll take care of the car. And that's Lawrence and Fields. That's it. Everybody else, the ideal situation would be for those players to wind up in a situation, wind up on a team like Minnesota, sit behind Kirk Cousins for a year, go to New Orleans, sit behind Drew Brees. Listen, I know this is going to sound crazy. Go to Green Bay and sit behind Aaron Rodgers. And while some may laugh and say they just took Jordan Love in the first, they took Jordan Love in the first. So it's not out of the question, right, for them to actually invest in another quarterback. Phillip Rivers in the Indianapolis Colts, another place where a, a young quarterback can sit in and be groomed behind Rivers. Chicago with Nick Foles, Jacksonville with Gardner Minshew. We all know that the Jets and the Washington football team need a new signal caller. And for all intents and purposes, it's probably going to be Lance or Fields, uh, Lawrence or Fields in one of those situations where they're called the duty to start right away. So the NFL game is in need of quarterback talent, not just at the starting positions, but at the backup positions. And within this 2021-2022 class, there's tons of talent to fill some of those immediate needs and some of the long-term depth at the quarterback position. Now, the last player I want to talk about, and I saved it for the end because, you know, this is one, this was growing and he was growing to be one of my favorite players in college football. One of my fastest risers for the 2021 NFL draft class with Jalen Waddle going down with the broken ankle is just so unfortunate for him. And I dive more into Jalen Waddle and his perspectives and outlook at the next level on the Futurecast show, the new show that I host on the Roto Underworld Radio Network. Uh, check that out if you want to hear some more about Jalen Waddle. But really unfortunate injury for that young man. It seemed like everything was clicking for him. The stars were aligning. And I truly believed in my heart of hearts, it was not hyperbole. I wasn't just saying it to say it, that he had a really, really good shot at being the first wide receiver drafted in the 2021 NFL draft class over Jamar Chase, over Rashad Bateman, over Rondell Moore because of the speed and explosiveness that he brings to the table. And with this injury being from everything that I read, a three to six month recovery timeline, just to recover from the injury, that does not include how long it takes him to get back up to speed playing and feeling and being explosive Jalen Waddle that we come to love. You know, a lot of people are saying, is he going to go back for his senior year season? I, I I would bet my house he's gone. He is not coming back to Alabama to risk this happening again for free. He's still going to declare for the NFL draft. I believe he's going to declare. And I still believe he's going to be a first round NFL draft pick, especially the closer we get to the NFL draft. If his medicals are coming back clear that his recovery is on track, that he's, you know, running and exercising. I don't believe a player of his talent, a player of his caliber will fall to the second round. I just I'm not even going to talk about the hypotheticals because I really don't believe that's a realistic possibility for Jalen Waddle. It definitely hurts his draft stock. I did move him down to wide receiver six. He moved from wide receiver three to wide receiver six in my rankings, patreon.com forward slash all gas. One more time. If you want access to those rankings in the community, 
I'm still high on the talent. It's just very unfortunate to see this happen. And one of the reasons why, you know, I wanted some of these high end players to opt out. The, the last thing that I wanted to see to be quote unquote right about were players of his caliber getting hurt. That's that's not what we wanted. But, you know, this is football, right? And we have to adjust. The class is still loaded. The class is still exciting. It is still tantalizing. And I still believe Jalen Waddle is a very good NFL draft prospect. It's just now I'd have four, uh, five, and maybe even depending on how Seth Williams finishes out this season and Amon Ross St. Brown, it's five or six wide receivers ranked ahead of him at this point in time. But that makes Jalen Waddle a value because he's still going to be selected high. And if that happens, then we're going to have no choice but to draft him early in our rookie drafts. All right, that's the show. I appreciate you tuning in. I appreciate you checking it out. If you have not subscribed to the podcast, please do so. If you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel, please do so. Stay locked in, stay tuned, hustle, motivate, be great. Have a great Monday. Attack it with that fearless tenacity. Go ahead, man, make it happen. But you know I'm rambling. Drop the music. (laughs) 